What's up, everybody? This is Sancho West with my boy, Mr. Santi Zap, and we are the Checkpoint Amigos. And this is a reboot, uh, kind of like a fresh start, Santi. It's episode one, my friend, a completely new chapter in the Checkpoint Amigos, and I cannot wait to begin this chapter with you, my friend. Buddy, I'm so excited. We've been working on this project for some time now, keeping yeah. it under wraps. Really excited to be part of this journey, part of this growth that we're going to be seeing here for the foreseeable future. Dude, let's get things going. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. I can't believe this has happened. I, I agree. I'm completely floored that it is happening. I mean, considering that we barely met, I want to say, two, three months ago, and then now we're doing a for real, for real podcast. Now, that's kind of a wild thing to say. That's a bit kind of a big commitment, man. It is. It is. We commitment. became Facebook official very quickly. We, we very moved. Quickly. We moved in on each other very, very fast. <laughs> it was a tweet. I saw you're like, you want to do a video game podcast? I was like, I've been wanting to get back into the video game podcast game. But y'all, this is going to be something special. I really do believe that. And I am excited to build this with you, Santi, because I really feel that you're one of the only few people who understands what we're trying to do. And we are definitely going to be a community-based type podcast. I mean, Santi, you kind of said something while we were getting ready to the people of the Checkpoint Amigos. Yeah, uh, one of the things that we want to absolutely make clear is that you know we're we're not we're not a bunch of chumps starting you know the one millionth gaming podcast that you've no. seen. Like we are professional content creators. You might be meeting me for the first time. I'm from the world of professional wrestling, uh, but I am a professional content creator. Sanchez is a professional content creator. We are in this for the long haul, and we understand that for the foreseeable future, there's going to be growth. There's going to be gr a growing pain. Absolutely. As we try to, yeah, as we try to figure out the identity of what this is, this podcast maybe becomes bigger than just a simple podcast. But what I want to make sure that I hit home is that if you are watching this first episode, like you are in on the ground floor, your questions, your feedback, anything that you have to say about our dynamic, what the podcast sounds like, what it looks like, what we deliver will help shape the identity of this show for the long haul. So congratulations, you you bought the stock cheap and it's gonna go to the moon. To the moon, to the moon. Diamond hands, y'all, diamond hands. Uh, and you know, already we had community feedback. Uh, we revealed our logo, which was the older <laughs> Checkpoint Amigos logo. And uh, I did not know CP was an issue. I did not know that, but here I am. I learned something new every day, Santi. Buddy, I, I literally didn't see it coming until my entire Twitter feed was just like, eh, bruh, <laughs> you need to change it from CP. It Yo, means something entirely I didn't different. Know. That... <laughs> I didn't know. I'm an innocent boy over here. I mean, I run, a, it. I run a family family channel over here. Uh, but also, just to let you know, like audio, things of that sort, we're always going to iron that out. And at the same time, you know, video quality, you know, if you guys and gals out there love video, then we'll put more into the video. If you all really like audio, then we'll put more into audio. Uh, no doubt we're going to be all over the, you know, socials in terms of TikTok, YouTube shorts, all those kinds of things. You could find us with hot takes and whatnot. But that's going to be our thing, uh, you know. To be clear, there's a lot of journalistic podcasts out there for video games. We're simply going to be one of an offshoot that you can enjoy, have some laughs, be very creative with the topics we have. We will talk news and things of that sort, but uh, in terms of uh, we're just going to be a vibe. I, I feel something really good. We're going to try something different, and I think that's a good thing, Santi, that we're going to be a little bit different. A little bit different. For sure, sure. For we'll, sure. We'll, we'll find our... You know, we're going to fit nicely eventually like a nice warm like sock nice... on your foot. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, it's, and we're going to become your favorite sock. Sancho, help me out here. I don't know where I'm going uh, with this analogy We're going to be that, that delicious dish that you look forward to 
after a night out. No, I like that. I yeah, like I that. Yeah. yeah, but of course, like we're also going to be topical. We're going to be talking about the things that you're going to want a gaming podcast to talk about. We're going to yes. give you those opinions. Well, of course, also, um, like Sancho said, creating a different type of podcast that is easy to come back to even two years from now. Bingo. And with that, I have a goal. I, I love goals, and I think you out there love goals as well. I didn't spring, I'm going to spring this on you. If we hit 50,000 subs, when we do, we're going to do, this is a piggybacking off your idea, Santi. We're going to do The Rock Movie Slam. Thoughts? Movie Dude, Slam? Movie Slam? I like the name. I Thank like you. the name. I like where it's coming from. Uh, and for those that don't know what he's talking about, uh, I made a TikTok story not too long ago asking people like what would you be down for me to watch every single dwayne the rock johnson movie that he's ever been in i love it and uh yeah and sancho jumped in he's like dude let's do it yeah we got it we got it. it's a terrible but great idea it's a terrible but great idea and of course that's an offshoot of what kind of funny does with in review so shout out to the boys and the crew at kind of funny we're going to definitely do our own spin in it of course and i just love the idea of anything that we come to movie along it could be another uh temple of the checkpoint amigos but movie slam because, you know, we're both wrestling fans and we might, you know, most likely you're listening, you would be a wrestling fan as well. So I think Movie Slam, I, there's somebody out there that has it a little bit, but Movie Slam, I think, is something that, that just, it just sounds right. It just sounds No, good. it's ours now. It's, it's ours. ours now. We're taking it over. If you had it, it's not yours anymore. It's ours. Come at us. But gently, please. I mean, we don't have that much money. <laughs> you can have it if you come at us. You know, oh, we're broke. <laughs> take it, take it back, take it back. We all used right. it all redesigning the logo. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. That took a while to change the P to the A. All right, Santi. This is going to be our first episode, episode one, like you mentioned here. Uh, hey, a lot of people don't know us as gamers. You might be stumbling upon us. What are you up to, and what are you playing lately, Santi? For sure. I mean, let me uh, give you like the the very quick oh, spark okay. notes of of, of Santi as a, as a gamer. Pitch. Yeah, okay. the quick elevator pitch. Okay. Uh, my parents owned an arcade throughout the nineties. So You're so lucky, this, dude. Oh, dude, it's it was literally You're the coolest so thing ever. Lucky, dude. It, it was one of those things that I did not appreciate enough as a kid. But looking it back, sounds like it. Like, oh, this is so cool. Um, so like I've been around video games literally my entire life. I mean, as long as I can remember being able to breathe is when I was able to get my hands on an SNES controller. By the way, typically I say SNES, but while on the internet, I'm going to go ahead and, and keep it family friendly and say SNES so that mm -hmm. we don't start any any wars or anything. Mm -hmm. um, if you're curious, my favorite video game franchise is Metal Gear Solid. I can quote the entirety of Metal Gear Solid 1 from beginning to end. We can put that to the test one day. A high D, Colonel, what's a Russian gunship doing here? Either way. At some point, we'll get there. Uh, but what have I been playing lately? Sancho, I've been playing the greatest battle royale on the planet. Wait, wait. All right. I, I've been watching your streams. I've been, like, digesting Santi. Mm -hmm. So this is new to me, Santi. What would be yeah. the thing? It is Tetris 99, the greatest battle royale ever made. And I don't understand why it's still only stuck on the Nintendo Switch. This game is actually still a masterpiece. It's so good. I It is like the one game that I can pick up at any moment and yeah. say, I'm going to play a game. And then I end up like, like two hours trying to get myself a W because that that I dare say is the hardest battle royale to get a W in. I, I would have to agree. I I tried that. I didn't get it. Are you a T-spinner? 
I can be if put in the position, mm. but my natural default is not to T-spin. I'm not good enough to to be a T-spinner like by uh, by identity. Oh, okay. I respect that. So are, are you like, uh, let me build up a block and then send the big boy, the big, big liner down there? <laughs> Is that what you do? Yeah, man. I, yeah, I just go ahead and send that big line the big, and destroy the big, all the blocks. The big hoagie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm more of a traditional uh, Tetris player, but I'm very, very fast. Like, I put myself, um, like, non-professional Tetris players, like, if we to take those out of the equation, okay. I put myself in the top 1% of humans. Uh, wow. when it comes to Tetris. I like I, my chances. If you put me up against a random bloke on the street, you're getting your ass kicked by the Mr. Santi's app. Dude, I would honestly think you're probably only less than 1% of the world plays Tetris 99. You're like, do you think about it? I mean, no one really plays it. I mean, why did they shove, locate? Okay, here's my thing, quick rant, sidebar. Why does Nintendo take away awesome things? I thought Mario 35 was cool. I mean, it I, was. I, I don't know why they took it off. And of course, it was probably the 35th anniversary, but Tetris 99 has room. Pac-Man, I heard, was pretty fun yep. to play. Uh, yeah. But I, I can't, I, it's going to happen, by the way, Santi. Every time you say yeah. I know. It, gonna, it's going to happen. It's natural. Gonna but yeah, like that's why I want it off the Switch. You know, I kind of alluded that earlier because uh, the Mario 35 fiasco has created a sort of PTSD with me mm -hmm. where like I almost don't want to fall in love with the Nintendo online games because they've created the precedent that they're willing to just remove it even if it's in incredibly popular. Now, right now, Tetris is in a little bit of a renaissance, Sancho. Not sure if you know this, but that Tetris movie that was recently released. I haven't released, seen it. It's very, it. very good, uh, but it's recently gotten a, um, a given Tetris a big upsurge, whether it's um, Tetris Effect. That's oh, been- I love uh, Tetris Effect. Tetris Effect is fantastic. Tetris game. 99 has uh, has seen that Tetris movie rub, if we want to use another wrestling term. Uh, so right That's now, too, you know, the, wor the world thing. of Tetris is on the up and coming. Okay, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, actually, you bring up an interesting point that we'll we'll talk about in topic two, which is your topic uh, in regards to, you know, video games being pulled off of online stores. It's something yeah. interesting to put a pin in. Uh, what I've been up to in regards, just to give you the overlay of me, I love multiplayer games. Uh, an interesting podcasting that we wanted to talk about earlier is I love multiplayer so much, Santi, that I robbed myself of a lot of single player experiences because as a content creator, I love multiplayers. I love covering them. I love making videos from it, but I miss out on so much of right. the PlayStation 4 generation. I miss up so much of the PlayStation 5 generation currently. And so I definitely want to use this Checkpoint Amigo podcast as an opportunity to get back. Uh, I used to be, as a kid, used to play a lot of arcades. I, I grew up, I felt like I grew up in an arcade as much as I wish I did, unlike some people who are ungrateful. Um, <clears throat> but no, I played a lot of SOCOM 2. I played a lot of Mario Kart 64. Um, that was Those were my games. Those were my jams. Currently, uh, what I've been playing is, I don't know if you know this, Santi, but this leads right into topic one. I mean, you kind of hit the double jam over here, the double dare. Uh, we are hitting into my topic, which is only up. It's the only thing I've been playing. For those of you who don't know, Only Up is a phenomenon uh, that is currently sweeping across, it swept across TikTok Lives. Now it's going into Twitch. A lot of your popular favorite streamers and content creators have been playing it, but it's something known, uh, Santi, as a rage game. And mm. But for me, what I like about Only Up compared to other games is that it's a platformer at its core. And I love platforming. There's nothing like a platformer and like begging it back to the Mario days. Only Up in general deserves to be a game of the year discussion like i really do believe that 
I don't think people are ready to talk about, uh, you know, we've got Elden Ring, Zelda. Sure. Uh, we have all these other big hitters, but I think only up deserves your attention. Thoughts? Yeah. Am I, am I wild to think about that? Well, I, I want to uh, put a question to you, and I think Please. this will lead to, to a bigger Please. conversation. Um, when we had uh, in the early pan, um, pandemic days, when we had the, um, oh my God, Among, Among Us. Us craze, yep. the Among Us Among craze, Us. right? Like it was the, the it was thing, huge. everyone was playing Among Us. Mm -hmm. People that weren't gamers were playing Among Us. I specifically remember getting together on Zoom to play with my non-gaming friends Among Us because it became this part of the 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 pandemic zeitgeist, right? right. This is how you, you now all of a sudden in the new age, uh, were able to socialize with your friends. Would yes. you have had at that time among us in your game of the year contention? I believe so. I mean, considering okay. that it did launch a lot of careers as well. Sure. I, I look at gaming differently. And, and like, like I mentioned, I think as being as a content creator, it's a double-edged sword. And as someone who, who covers video games and plays video games for content, the reason why I feel it's double-edged is because your audience tends to dictate what you play. And sure. um, Among Us is one of those things that it, it took over. Everyone wanted to watch it. Everybody wanted to play it. And the careers that it started, it should be considered Game of the Year. I, I know people love to can you know uh, rate Game of the Year based on artistic value and things of that sort. But I believe impact should be a factor in it. And one of the names that I remember is Valkyrie. Valkyrie. Yep. Uh, she exploded because of that, uh, because of Among Us. Hafu as well. There was nothing like a Hafu lobby. I remember watching that as another content creator on Twitch. But because I believe the only up impact, and um, but I could, hey, Santi, if you want me to talk about the artistic value of only up, which is available on Steam, by the way, there is some, there's a story there. I know you, you look at it on the surface and you see people raging and falling from all random props and objects. But there's a story there, Santi. There's some deep thoughts in there. And when I was playing that game for the first time and beating it, you you have some ex insolent like philosophy going through your mind. You're mm -hmm. you're wondering about yourself because that's what the beauty of video games does is that it takes you out of yourself and puts you in a different scenario so you could ask questions about oneself. For sure. And and I think, you know, earlier you mentioned it as a rage game. Yes. But I think in I, I think at its core it truly is uh, a rage game. But sometimes I get into a trance of watching somebody play it and it stops feeling like a rage game. Yes. And it starts feeling like a journey and a flower. Yes. Weirdly yes. enough, it starts feeling like okay, like I'm kinda this like out of body experience yes. where I'm just kind of vibing with like the the flow the jumps the jumps on the uh, on on the beds seeing the the changing landscape going from an ice area to this like space place to like a beautiful garden i as a viewer of only up because i haven't had the opportunity to play it yet i've watched a ton of it though i've yeah. watched a ton of only up uh which kind of serves as to like look this has a a impact beyond just grabbing the sticks and playing the darn thing. Um, right. But when I play, when I watch it, like I said, I've kind of fallen to the strands where it's it. I'm no longer in it to see the streamer fail. I just want to see this guy in or gal go only up. Um, so it, it's it's weird because I love rage games. Yeah, and and like I the well made rage games. Like I love the Cupheads. I love the Dark Souls. But I seen almost no similarity between 
those games that I just listed in Only Up, I see just more of a parallel between something like Flower and Journey. Okay, yeah, I, I totally see that. I mean, the, the only thing the difference is, because uh, getting over it is the one with the guy in the chamber pot. With yes, the... yeah. See, that one, you have to overcome the mechanic of the sledgehammer, and this one's just straight platforming. Like, yeah. it's something that's been in my blood forever, and I, I completely understand and, and know how to platform, and I think that's what I like about it. The other factor about it is someone who's executing the inputs, you're kind of like performing a tightrope act. You're, you're high stakes, and there's a lot of drama, and it's a stripped down version of of that. You understand, hey, this person needs to go up. That's all you need to understand. And there is the, the excitement that you're talking about, but the story is really weird because I understood what that content creator or the creator of Only Up went through in their life. Like I'm seeing, you know, the struggles that they had in their life. I'm seeing what they like, what games they like what their interest, what their favorite food is, they, you know, what what they find interesting beyond pop culture. I really started to absorb all these things. And and then, like I said, you get into life questions, right? You're like, okay, this is what life is. Even though this move is insignificant and this jump looks simple, it could trip you up. And all of a mm -hmm. sudden, you can go all the way back down. But what do you do you keep going and so it's what life is you got to keep going forward and i'm I, I kid you not there's times i'm sitting there talking to my chat i'm like yeah you know chat you just got to keep going moving up if you fall down it's okay hey, you never know where your journey's gonna go and here i am mm -hmm. you know and this is just like a stupid like 15 dollar game and here i am having these thoughts but one thing i wanted to point out to the second point of it why it could be game of the year is that it literally spawned this huge renaissance in fortnite creative and I know Fortnite, people think it's for kids and whatnot, but Fortnite Creative is this whole new thing. It's an Unreal Editor, for those of you that don't know. And because of the popularity of Only Up, Santi, someone took Fortnite's engine and made an Only Up map in Fortnite. And the, the impact of that is over 100,000 people played this game in Fortnite, which is free to play. And that and at one time, only 10,000 people played only up mm -hmm. so 10,000 to 100,000 people playing this style of only up and it's just so interesting to see how that has leveraged into this big phenomenon that is slowly creeping and, and it's going to keep going it's created a whole new genre I think in video games but I just don't think people are going to respect it because it's going to be kind of like eh, it's just a rage game yeah, I, I, I mean, I I don't think we're fully on the same wavelength on me believing that it's game of the year. But if we were to do different categories, indie Sancho, not even I, I like I, I, maybe maybe indie game of the year. I just don't want to like pull the trigger when there's still so much of the year left. But maybe something like biggest impact. I could Ooh, I can't think of a like game that. that would have a bigger impact than this. Uh, and yeah. what's what's wild too is that the impact of this game started with one domino from a single content creator mm -hmm. named ludwig for those that know the world of content creation you likely know ludwig he was the first one to really discover this game play it on stream and then from there it was like this wildfire of everybody wanting to play only up for the clips for the speed runs for the vibes like there's just different ways to play only up which caters to different types of viewers because i don't love watching raging streamers i like 
I don't know. I just like the Zen aspect yeah. of uh, of Only Up. Um, so it's a really neat story in that way, where a content creator was able to really like set light to to a force and really just, hey, yeah. I'm Canadian. You know, forest fires still cut deep here. Hey, I'm um, in California, bro. I mean, it's the same yeah, thing. You, yeah, you know, you know what it's like. Yeah. CACA. Um, but it's so cool to see almost an entire genre of video game spawn in front of us. Yep. Um, due to the random discovery from one content creator who apparently only found this because of negative reviews on Steam from Chinese players where this game was predominantly mo the most popular. Question, when do we get a Mario version of Only Up? When does Nintendo dip his, his, his white gloves into this pot? That's a, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, you can Mario you can 64 mechanics. Dude. I was just going to say, I, I was funny enough that you mentioned that. I was just going to say, isn't that just Mario 64? Half of the oh, levels are going please. up in some capacity. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of right for the taking. It is. Uh, it just really depends. Um, you know, like, like if we look at that earlier popularization of certain genres, like I'm looking at obviously like the big one being battle Royales. Um, it wasn't, Hey, the one game became super popular. Then everyone was making battle Royales. It one person made a battle Royale game, then another company made one and then another company made one. And then once it was recognized as this is a good formula to monetize and make money, then that's when the entire landscape of gaming and developers started focusing on creating battle royales. I don't know. I don't know if Nintendo has it in them to be a trailblazer um, yeah, in helping a create a new genre. Well, I mean, the one thing I would disagree with you there is that I think Fortnite kind of light speeded that progress. 100%. Because, 100%. Uh, you know, you talked about a map creator. They literally made a different version of Only Up. And after that, there's like six or five different like sequels of Fortnite only up from the the creative mm -hmm. community yeah, the dirt bike one i, Dude, saw you I love the one. dirt bike one it's mm -hmm. like a psych bite or or track mania or whatever when you know one of those games that is really awesome to play at but you know i i really do believe just to put a pin in this it's like am i wild to think for okay do i really think only up's gonna be elden ring and zelda and all that not not i'm sorry it's not gonna join elden ring as game of the year it's not gonna beat zeldas it's not gonna beat the spider-man 2s it's not gonna beat any of the games that have been dominating i mean if you t think about it, it's a cultural impact yes tears of the kingdom has a bigger cultural impact i've seen so many different kind of what different vehicles from all that tears of the mm -hmm. kingdom that people are making so yes it is make i'm just saying you gotta give only up its flowers, and if Checkpoint Amigos is gonna give only up its flowers, I'd be the first one to throw the flower at it. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not not throwing a flower. I just don't think that it's a game of the year flower. I'm sheltered, okay. I've been in this 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 content creating bubble that I want to burst. All right, I've been playing Final Fantasy 16. That game's pretty dope. I like it. I really do. It has a lot of great cinematic music and things of that sort. But <sighs> the call of content, man. Dude, stop. Are you me. telling me right now that you have only up above Final Fantasy 16? I want you to lay down the gauntlet right now. I don't want you to back out of this. Make the call, Sancho. Make the call. This is, this is where we might lose people, Santi. I mean... <laughs> We have no one. It's episode one. We, we, can, we can afford to lose nothing. I just need you to make the call right now. 
No, I don't think Final Fantasy is uh, is below only up. You like how I did that? I don't think it's oh, it's. Wow. <laughs> I don't think wow. it's. Wow! What uh, a politician answer. <laughs> No, I can't give that a fair shake because I've only sure. played a little bit of Final Fantasy. I, I it's some Final Fantasy, it, you know, at a high level for me is I've avoided for the longest time because I never really was a turn-based type of RPG type guy. Um, I okay, me as a gamer, Tanti, again, I suck at inventory, I suck at menus. The more complicated it is, the more I just tune out. That doesn't mean I don't I don't enjoy the story. And Final Fantasy 16 strips all that, and that's what I like about it the most. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on um, on the inventory thing. By the way, well, that can be a Can't different conversation for 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 another day. Because yeah. the bane of my existence is the the prevalence of open world games. That can be a Ooh, different conversation yeah. for for a different day. I think the older uh, you get, the more open worlds you just don't like. Dude, I just can't do them. I can't do them. <laughs> like if, if, if I can if I can just say a quick blurb about that, and we'll get back on track. Uh, I. People are like, well, it's so much, it's, there's so much beef. There's so much meat in there for you, but, and you can tell your own story. It's like, dude, I, I, I am creatively dumb. I don't want to <laughs> tell my own story. You're I not, want the story to Rhodes. be told. I got it. Yeah. I want the story to be told for me. Like when, when I was forced basically by my community to play Red Dead Redemption 2, which became one of my favorite games of all time. Okay. I'm like, okay, but I'm playing this like a linear single player game. I am going from main mission to main mission for main mission. That's it. I'm not hunting the 1000 different types of animals in yep. different pelts. I'm not, not gonna go fishing. I'm respect. not going dating. I'm not respect. gambling. I'm just doing the story and playing it that way. I was able to fall in love with Red Dead Redemption 2. But again, different that's little a whole, side. That's a whole other pod. That's a whole other oh, yeah, pod. Dude, we can we can go into that. Uh, shall we move on? Yes, Santi. For sure. What you got? For yes. Yeah, so the next topic of the show is we're going to be talking about the preservation of video games and the legacy of classic video games that are no longer as easily accessible as games are today. You can turn on your iPhone and basically have access to just about any video game that you want to purchase right then and there. Even if it's not mm -hmm. a game for the iPhone, you can log on to the Xbox store and purchase it from there. There is infinite ways to purchase and play games nowadays. The topic today are discussing those games that no longer have that avenue to be discoverable and purchasable. So we had a, a uh, an article that was making the rounds around the world of video games uh, the other week, uh, claiming that almost 90% of classic games are, quote, critically endangered. And a couple of things that I'll mention here. What it, what does a classic game mean is a is an important distinction that we need to make because, uh, you know, it, this might be a little gut punch to everybody that's listening, but they consider a classic game to be anything before 2010. Before 2010 is when online stores really weren't the most viable way to purchase a game. Most people still prefer to buy um, physical copies of, of games. Most developers, a lot of the times, completely ignore digital stores back then. Trust me, I've tried to play 50 Cent Blood on the Sand recently. Oh you my need God. To find, Wait. Yeah. You Wait. need to find a physical copy of it. It doesn't exist on any store. So Wait. I've, been, I've been living this. It seems like you want to jump in here. I have to jump in, dude, because like I said, I barely know you in general sure we're jumping in but 50 cent blood in the sand is one of the greatest games of all time i know <laughs> i am so shocked that there's someone else out there in the world that loves 50 cent blood in the sand the the combat the third person perspective the the executions in that game the it's soundtrack effing skull <laughs> oh my 
Oh, okay, continue. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy. I'm doing this podcast with you. Continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, really, I wanted to have a conversation oh. about where is the line for ethical piracy is one of the things that I want to discuss. Like, at what point do you, the family-friendly Sancho West, that would never pirate, you would never, never sail the seven seas and become a dirty, disgusting pirate. When is it okay as a gamer, when accessibility to games becomes borderline near impossible, when does it become ethical to be able to actually pirate the game? The other question is, are we, is this an overreaction of 90% of classic games being critically endangered and that we need to create some sort of bunker with all of these physical games? Because I dare say that it's not an overreaction because recently with the Wii U and the Wii stores closing the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the virtual consoles, there were numerous games that were exclusively available in those stores that overnight, poof, disappeared. Literally no way to play those games exists. There are many games that died with those virtual consoles that died with the, those online stores. The Vita is going to be dying uh, within the next year, I believe. It was supposed to die last I year. I was dead already. <laughs> it, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. The Vita, it means life, okay? It's still... It still has life, man. It it's down. a beautiful console. Um, <laughs> but the Vita store is going to be closing down soon. The PlayStation 3 store is going to be closing down soon. And it leaves a lot of games in no man's land. Uh, luckily for me, right, mm -hmm. one of those games that's in no man's land has always been Metal Gear Solid 4, which is what it's like my biggest guilty pleasure. I think it's a terrible video game, but it's an amazing Metal Gear game. We can discuss that at some point because we can dig into that. Um but, you know, there's quasi ways to get a hold of these games, like online streaming, for example, streaming yeah. from um, from PS5, streaming PS3 games. It sucks. It's a terrible way to so be laggy. able to, to consume those games. And it's those terrible experiences and lack of accessibility that make me say, yo, ho, ho, sailing the seven seas and become a pirate. I think you just want to be a pirate in general. You'll find any. Army matey. Um, <laughs> no, I think this goes beyond video games too. I mean, you made all valid points, but we're seeing this in movies more so than anything. I cannot tell you how many times I purchased something digitally and then the rights are lost by the said streaming service right. and I no longer have a physical copy to that. Or I have to track down something that I bought and I don't know where it is. Uh, you know, there is a plus and negative side to physical copies. I mean, one, they take up so much space. Uh, you cannot believe how many DVDs and Blu-rays I have. I used to work at Circuit City way back in the day. So, man, I stockpiled a lot of DVDs. Um, but when it comes to video games, I do believe that there is going to be what I like to say a crisis in it. Because, one, there's idiots like me who, and again, I'm saying I'm the idiot here. When I was a kid, I did not put any value in my old consoles and all my old games. I was, I fell prey to the GameStops of the world. And I'm like, sure, I could turn in my PlayStation 3 for a PlayStation 4. And I regret every single decision that I made when it comes to, you know, trading in things. Um, because I miss those consoles. I miss my PlayStation 2. I miss the Slim I miss uh, the f the fat PlayStation 3 I used to have. I still remember buying my PlayStation 3 for the first time. Um, I miss... Uh, I recently got a Dreamcast again in third party. And I miss my, old, my, my Nintendo 64 that I grew up with. There's things like that that I feel that we are going to start missing. And I believe 
the main issue with digital media in general, Santi, is what ends up happening is you lose that connection of owning it, and it's mm. just some picture on a computer screen or a TV screen, and you, you won't have that same connection of reverence for God of War Ragnarok unless you physically bought it. Um, I think it, it, it to answer your question that you asked me a few bit ago, would I ever pirate a game? I will and will not confirm that I do have a Super Nintendo Classic that does have the option to own all the Super Nintendo games. But I think the reason why I would do it if I did was for my kids, because I think it's important for them to play mm. the games that I grew up with and the games that I like. I'm talking about like offshoot random games that I remember going to Blockbuster on a on a Monday and my, my parents only let me rent one game. And I'm like, well, I played all this other games. I would like to play Clay Fighter and see, and see what Clay Fighter is all about. Um, I want to play the McDonald Kid games, like games that don't exist anymore in the in the culture, like games that are not Mario, games that are not Sneak Metal King. Gear. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like some just like even Glover for the Nintendo sixty four. You're like, I remember playing that game. Um, those are the things that I feel that the issue more is like every company has a different way of doing it. Xbox, right. they're using Game Pass. You have access to all that, right? So you need an internet connection for that. Nintendo loves to double dip, double dip, triple dip. How many times you can buy Mario 64? I don't know, four, five, six, seven. Doesn't matter. You're always going to buy it no matter what. PlayStation, for some weird reason, they have a problem with their architecture from the PlayStation from the PlayStation 3 era, and you can't you can't find PlayStation 3 games that well, let alone make content from it, Santi. The mm -hmm. HDCP, whatever that mess, you have to like strip it and you have to get a certain kind of capture card. So even if you wanted to share it and preserve it and put it on YouTube, you can't. And at the same time, I feel another issue is a lot of these games, these generations are reliant on multiplayer online. So there's no local co-op, there's no local multiplayer. So even if you did, for some reason, let's say Fortnite, all of a sudden there's no more internet and fort you can't even play fortnite you know what i mean like yeah. that's the kind of thing i feel that it's a bigger issue than beyond just the physical copies of not being available i mean you talked about blood in the sand i mean you could go to a local store and you might find it but then like marvel versus capcom 2 one of the greatest fighting games of all time uh a copy of that it's a couple hundred dollars mm -hmm. and like geez as much as i love that on the dreamcast I just don't never see myself buying it again. Um, and there's, we could go like this, like this could literally be like a whole weekly thing when you talk about these classic games. I mean, preserving them, like you mentioned, in its state with games that have like even soundtracks. Crazy Taxi, when that mm -hmm. game kept coming out again and again, there's no offspring, which that game needs offspring. It is not the same game without it. It's the same thing with TV shows when they bring back like a like I know Scrubs, for example, it's streaming live on Peacock right now, but it's not the same rights of the music when it originally aired. And I think that in itself is going to be the thing that we miss. Sure, Santi, you'll get your Metal Gear, but it may not be the same Metal Gear you played when you were a child. Right. Um, Sancho. Yes. Family computer, your personal computer. You ever download LimeWire? Dude, there was nothing like those days... Well, it's Kazaa, LimeWire, yeah. uh, 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 the bear, whatever. The, there was one where there was a bear. Um, no, there's nothing worse of buying 
uh, a game or uh, a download of music and then it's all corrupted. Dude, I got to the point where I wanted to try like Japanese games and you try to burn it onto a disc. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The ISO files. Yeah, oh, I ISO remember all files, of that. man. I remember all of that. So the reason I ask this is because I've always been of the mind that the era of music piracy was not because people were cheap and didn't want to pay for music. It was a lack of accessibility. That's a good you point. look at today, people are willing to pay for services like Apple Music. They're willing to pay for services like Spotify. And even before those services became a thing, people were paying for their songs on iTunes like when it became accessible for you to be able to pay and say I want to pay my hard-earned money to have access to these songs people started paying and I think that is we can look at a similar parallel with gaming as well I am willing to give the Xbox Live Store $50 to replay and re-experience 50 cent blood on the sand like, seriously, I am willing to pay full price for 50 cent blood on the sand. And when you make it impossible for me to be able to purchase content at reasonable prices, if we want to call it that, and now I have to look at the secondhand market and I'm seeing that 50 cent blood on the sand is $150, then you're going to force me to go back to those LimeWire days and download and pirate content. And I... and. And it's weird because it, it, after a certain amount of time, it almost becomes like this um, this victimless crime, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, there you I had no way to give the developer money. I had no way right. to give the publisher money. So what is the gone. difference if yeah. I they're gone? They right. don't exist. So what is stopping me from ethically being able to justify? pirating this game whether it's because i just want to hear 50 cent yell they took my mother and skull or maybe i want to be deeper and say hey, i'm just trying to preserve the legacy of 50 cent blood on the sand i have a very interesting number here okay. which i think is very very eye-opening when it comes to to the lack of accessibility to games um you know i said 2010 but you know ps2 games ps3 games gamecube games those are a lot more accessible in some capacity but mm -hmm. let's go a little bit farther back but not that much farther back let's look okay. at the game boy all right the vghf is saying that out of the 1873 total games that were released on the game boy only 25 are available for some sort of legal purchase wow. that is mind-boggling all of those other games the only way to access them is to find somebody at a garage sale willing to sell their their kids memories because they don't know what they have mm -hmm. or you have to buy them incredibly expensive from um, from a scalper or again you sail the seven seas and 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 pirate the darn thing and that's where when i look at those situations where it truly is inaccessible to play what i want to play and if it's inaccessible for me to be able to pay for that thing, it means that there is no desire for that publisher to take my money, even though I'm willing to give it to them. And if that's the case, I'm sailing the seven seas and I'm going for that scurvy, baby. I'm I'm becoming a pirate. I think in your case, you were talking about you want to collect the things you like, but you can't. And mm -hmm. where do you go? And I think that uh, it, it, I feel it's unfair for big companies to say, well, yeah, this game does not deserve a re-release, even though you're like, dude, I actually love this game. This game is really cool. And I feel that a lot of games are in that weird limbo area where rights, 
the company is defunct the publishers no longer exist there is a weird contract dispute for bringing it back like for example perfect dark i mean that game was made by nintendo developed by rare or whatever published by published by nintendo made by rare and now you're there and where can we get perfect dark i mean right now rare is owned by xbox so now you're seeing that there's another hurdle for perfect dark to be out there mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with goldeneye for the longest time it had that thing and, and they had to get special permission from rare to re-release goldeneye 64 and and they had to release it on game pass i believe that was the the kind of like uh the arms sh- uh, the shaking in the hands there to get that re-release but these are just only the simple hurdles for the biggest games that we remember and for the ones that you're talking about, you will never see the light of day. I can't even think of where to get a Game Gear game. I owned a Game Gear console, mm-hmm. uh, the handheld. It's one of my favorite things I remember, holding this big, fat thing that took like eight AA batteries. The thing was so heavy that I thought it was the coolest thing ever, firing up and seeing uh, uh, Sonic run across the screen in full full bright color. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. Which is one of those things like I really do think is what it's going to be missing. So for me... As a father gamer, my job is to, I feel, to foster my kids' growth as a gamer in a proper way. Because, like, what I did, Santi, was my daughter, I didn't get her a Switch. I easily could have. It's easily available, right? I got her an old-school Game Boy uh, Advance, like an old-school one, the flippy-flap one. So that way she can understand, like, hey, this is where video games come from. This is, like this Mario was a good Mario and it's on the Game Boy and you would love this Mario. So that way when she plays like Mario Odyssey and all those and she understands where Mario came from. And so I think that is why I feel we should preserve because I think games and mascots and the vibe of games are slowly going away in a weird direction. And I don't know, I haven't put my finger on it and we'll probably figure it out during this Checkpoint Amigos in general. But I feel like video games is in a weird space. And uh, I, I don't know if it's going to, it's getting in a, in a, help me out here. What's the word I'm looking for? The space that I'm looking at is like, is moving further and further away in terms of favor of the consumer. It's going more into mm-hmm. like this strange online only all the time. Um, game Pass. I feel like if Nintendo, if, if the game company, and forgive me that I'm taking a while to hit this point, if it gets to the point of being a Netflix style, I think you're going to re- have the same problem that Netflix is having with movies and what we're having with the movie industry now with the strikes that I feel like video games could head that way. And I think that's going to be a big problem in the future. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think w- if I had to make a distinction and summarize what you're saying. Please do. That's why that you're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah is, is that you're seeing a almost like a stray away from the the classic business model of gaming which was to create a piece of software and entertainment um, that resonates with consumers and rather than making a piece of entertainment we are seeing companies focus on creating a business model it is we are making this game and we are creating a business model of microtransactions whether it's the fifa points whether it's you know the the madden ultimate team packs whether it's whatever it might be right like they there is the uh, game's identity now is almost almost defined 
by what kind of business model it has and what sort of financial benefits it has for for the developer and the publisher at large. Thank when you. before it was so simple, right? You make yep. a good game, you sell the game, that's your business model. Now they are willing to give the game away for free because they know that they aren't selling you the game. They are trying to monopolize your time and by monopolizing your time, they can monopolize your wallet. Man, that is exactly what I was trying to say. Uh, it kind of brings up this news story that we have where The Last of Us Naughty Dog's Factions multiplayer game was kind of put on a stall because Bungie just said that their games as a service model wasn't gonna last. So that's when you go, huh, Naughty Dog, the best, one, arguably one of the best developers in the world could literally do whatever it wants, but for some reason is being told to slow down. Your proposal for this multiplayer is not good enough, considering that, in my opinion, the Last of Us multiplayer factions, which you probably heard if you're, you're a fan of mine, I talk relentlessly about, is one of the best ones of all time, but it has no, it doesn't have any of the games as a service model at all. It's literally a cut and dry old school arena third person shooter that's stuck in early 2000s that still holds a strength over a lot of people. And for some reason, that was not good enough for today's multiplayer. And the, the, again, Checkpoint Amigos, folks, is going to be that. We are going to get into these type of conversations that are further beyond what we have here. So I guess to put in your, a bow on your topic, Santi, so you're a pirate. You're going to go ahead mm -hmm. and, and be a pirate as much as you want, and you want 50 set blood in the sand. Just to let you know, a mint condition 9.5 blood in the sand sealed ten thousand dollars oh my god but here's the thing here's the thing i know we're wrapping up the the topic here if i buy 50 cent blood on the sand yeah i am getting a complete game it is the game exactly how the developer intended it yeah, exactly. nowadays i am buying a game for the right to download a 50 gigabyte patch yep. on day one so even this concept of buying physical to preserve the history of a game is can you can make the argument that even that doesn't work because 20 years from now when that patch is offline and not available Am I still going to get the proper experience of playing that game, even if I have it physical? I don't know. I don't think so. Will your PlayStation console boot up if it's not connected to the internet? I mean, Ooh. that's that's the thing that so many people... I mean, I was on that side of the fence, Santi, where I was like, I love digital. Why would you not get digital? I don't have a disc in my PlayStation 5. Why would you do that? You don't need that. But now, as things are popping up here, and we're seeing that the PlayStation 2, you can't get a majority of the library. I'm like, wait a minute. I think, I mean, I, I can't tell you how happy I am that I have WrestleMania 2000s, though. Uh, I don't even know where to begin to look for a SmackDown, bring on the pain, you know? There's so many of those titles that they're, they're going to get lost in the sauce when there's not going to be people like us who care about that game. 100%. That's why, you know, I still keep it sealed in uh in the dark so that i can preserve my copy of the scorpion king the rise of the acadian on the game not have, you do not have that game okay super quick yeah it was my birthday yeah and i picked the scorpion king the rise of the acadian over super smash brothers melee i had one game to pick i had one game to pick and back then as a kid I, we weren't wealthy 
The game that you get <laughs> is the game that is going to last you until next Christmas or until your birthday. And I picked the Scorpion King, the Rise of the Acadian. No regrets. Did you do it because you're wrestling? You're like, you're like dude, I oh, love The Rock. I was addicted to wrestling. I still yeah. am. Uh, I mean, everything that I do online is professional wrestling. But even back then as a kid, I was like, it's got The Rock on the cover. Oh, It's dude, got The Rock I, on the now, cover. I'm now, taking this. Now I see the cover. Dude, that is a sick cover. Dude, but that's the thing. A different conversation for another day. But the predatory tactics of movie tying games back in the 2000s. Oh, we need to rank them. We need to rank I, them I at do. some point. Dude, but I think that was a perfect example of like, you know, you got bamboozled as a kid. You but, just stuck um, with it. You just go like, yeah. Hey. Doesn't matter. I replayed it like 17 times because it was the only game I had. I want to see you play that through. We need that. <laughs> that could be another goal. You and I go live. And I'll just sit there next to you. We'll watch you play the Scorpion King Rise of the Arcadian, whatever that is. Oh, my goodness. All right, man. Well, hey, that is the first episode of the Checkpoint Amigos in the Bank. Uh, if you want to find us everywhere, you could definitely follow us and our personal socials. But please, uh, we are pushing Checkpoint Amigos to the moon as much as possible. We have pretty much almost everywhere. Uh, we have on Twitter, Checkpoint Amigo. No S at the end because we can't, for some reason, Elon Musk just does not want us to be together. So no plural there. So it's Checkpoint and me go. And I'm interested to see who's going to be the first 50 of the followers there, the, the foundation, so to speak, for this entire podcast. Uh, in terms of live, we don't know. We Honestly, to be frank, we don't know if we're going to have a live podcast for this. Uh, we definitely wanted to feel it out and see what, what our, our vibe was offline. But we have twitch and we have it on kick so we don't know and youtube uh things of that sort so we'll figure it out as time goes on and like santi said i think you said it best we're going to figure it out uh together uh hopefully hopefully we get some good things I, I i feel this is a great start and i and hey santi what should we tell our audience what, what kind of what can the comments you're pretty good at this if they made it this far in the video maybe you know what would you want to put in the comments down below i want you to tell me about your favorite movie tie-in game. And I don't want you to to reference the fact that I told you to. This is how I'll know that you're a hardcore and mm -hmm. you made it all the way this uh, to this point in the video or this point in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Just leave a comment about your favorite or least favorite movie tie-in game. That's it, that's all I want you to do. I already told you about my experience with the Scorpion King, the Rise of the Acadian. I wanna know about your experience playing Cars or playing Wally, -E, the video game, or The Mummy Returns, whatever it might be. I wanna know, I wanna hear, I want to experience all of that with you. All right, this is episode one of Checkpoint Amigos, and we are the pod for the gaming people.